Hello church family. This is uh, a new week for us as we go through um, Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah. And this week we're going to just continue walk, going through the text. We're in Nehemiah chapter 4 right now. So if you are just listening, just feel free to continue listening. But if you have your Bibles, please open it to Nehemiah chapter 4. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 4. This is, in a lot of ways, this is the, the section where they're getting ready to defend themselves against opposition. And I think it's just part of a reality of all ministry, particularly work for the Lord, is that uh, things get hard. Ministry is difficult. <clears throat> ministry is a lifelong thing. It's it's uh, probably uh, a ministry that requires, it's really thankless in a lot of ways, but it is it's something that you just need to, if you want to do ministry, whether it's full-time or just as a layperson, it, it requires sacrifice. Uh, I remember when I was in seminary, um, one of the questions I was asked, uh, one of the elders was, um, you know, what do you do when, and he lists all of these situations and all of these scenarios and heartaches and difficulties, and really there's no other way around it. It's that these are all part of ministry. Um, the difficult times, the funerals, the, the, um, the trials, the sin, and then there's also blessings as well when you see people come to Saving Faith. Uh, the, 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 the opportunity and privilege to study and preach God's Word. Um, all of these things, from the most difficult uh, to the most enjoyable aspects of ministry, it requires you to, to be tough. It requires you to have thick skin. Uh, and it's hard, and this isn't to say that you don't have any emotions, but it's just that the reality of ministry that it, it is hard. Because you're working with people and um, who are sinful, and you yourself is also sinful. So it's... You know, you're just basically working with uh, what you've got, with what the Lord has given you, and you're working with people that has been purchased by the blood of Christ that are in your midst, but at the same time, they may not be the most mature as well. Uh, but uh, there are just certain realities, certain realities of ministry that if you understand that uh, ministry is hard, then you will ha you have a right expectation when it comes to having a long-lasting ministry. Again, whether you're a layperson or a pastoral staff, whatever, um, if you want to have a consistent ministry, a, a long ministry, you just have to just accept certain realities of it. Um, when we get to this chapter, this is really what it talks about. Like the, the, one of the difficulties of, of, of ministry, and when we see here, chapter four, uh, this is when they start be beginning to get opposition from those that um, that really do, uh, the, the Samaritans and Gentiles that hated Nehemiah for rebuilding the wall. And this is where um, where the story begins, chapter four, verse one. Now it came about that when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious, very ang and angry, and mocked the Jews. He spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? They are going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? Now Tobiah the Am Ammonite was near him and said, Even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break their stone wall down. So these individuals, uh, these Sambal and his friends and these cronies or whatever you want like to call them, um, they, they, they're hearing all this, they're furious at them, and then they're, in, they're just like throwing insults at the Jews. And um, they, they, they're like talking amongst themselves and then eventually they'll talk about the Jews to the Jews and um, they're just constantly trying to find ways to discourage the work. Um, verse 4, here, 
oh our God, how we are despised to turn their approach on their own heads and give them up for plunder in the land of captivity. Do not forgive their iniquity and not let their sin be blotted out before you, for they have uh, demoralized the builders. I think this is one of the, I think this is Nehemiah speaking actually. Um, he's speaking kind of like countering to the Jews. The Jews are insulting them, making trying to discourage the people. And he prays to the Lord in a, like kind of like an imprecatory prayer. Uh, an imprecatory prayer is kind of like a prayer that like uh, prays for uh, judgment on the on on uh, evil doers on behalf of the Lord. But you're not doing the 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 you know the judgment or the vengeance, but you're just praying in a way that you wish that uh, the Lord will deal with them. And that's what's happening here. There's this little imprecatory prayer uh, that Nehemiah gives that prays out loud to the Lord in in, in hope that those that are demoralizing the builders will be punished for it. <clears throat> Verse 6, so we built the wall, and the whole wall was joined together to half its height, so the people had a mind to work. And that's interesting, they have a mind to work. They, they were, it means that they were devoted uh, together to work um, on this wall. Uh, and again, if you listen to last week, we said that this, this whole project, this whole building project, took 52 um, days to finish. Uh, it says this in um, chapter 6, verse 15. That it took 52 days. So they were all united and they worked really hard and it took them 52 days. What Solomon took years to build, he took, or actually, well, I guess that's the temple, but um, you know, where, where other people take years to build, they took 52 days to finish the entire walls of the city. Uh, verse 7. Now, when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arab, and Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the repair of the walls of Jerusalem went on and they were, uh, and and that the breaches began to be closed, they were very angry. They noticed that they were furious in verse 1, and now they're very angry again in verse 7. Um, that's just uh, something that you notice is that they are angry, and there's something about um, whenever you do things for the Lord, it, it tends to draw hatred from the world, um, whether it means because they, uh, they don't understand what you're doing, or it's just a constant reminder that... Um, you know, that their life is not right before the Lord. Whatever it is, it's triggering them to get angry at the Jews. And, um, and you know, for us, the same way, people that are of the world, when they see how much we care about them and we're willing to step out in faith and do nice things, uh, uh, in outreach in particular, people tend to get upset at it. I remember when, uh, when COVID-19 was at its peak uh, in New York, uh, the Samaritan purse, people that were you know, part of... Um, Franklin Graham's ministry, these are doctors, they went to New York and, um, you know, to set up a triage to help people with the COVID, um, you know, thinking that, you know, the COVID, COVID pandemic was going to fill up all the hospital, they need extra beds and, uh, and people to help. Uh, but when that happened, uh, you know, the mayor of New York didn't really, they were just, they were thankful until the, until the LGBTQ found out that like, hey, these are, these, uh, these, this is a Christian organization that's against our, our cause. And then the New York person was like, oh, uh, well, they better not be discriminatory. And then that wasn't even their plan. You know, the Samaritan Purse, they weren't, they weren't thinking those terms. They were going to help whoever. Uh, but just because of, of uh, their association with God and the Bible, even their good deeds were considered um, offensive to them. And that's what is going on here. Sometimes the biggest opposition you get are from the world when they see you do good things for the Lord. Verse 8, all of them conspired together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause a disturbance in it. Verse 9, but we pray to our God and because of them we set up a guard against them day and night. So what's interesting about this section here, verse 9, is that 
Nehemiah immediately prays, just like verse 4, he prays to the Lord in imprecatory. Now he prays for the Lord for dependence. He's actually asking the Lord for help to protect them, to guard them. And, and this isn't one of those things where it's like, guard them and then they don't do anything about it. Much like what I've been saying these last few weeks, that Nehemiah is a man of action. He trusts the Lord, but he prepares for whatever is necessary. So they guard it. They, it wasn't like they just kind of like stepped away and like say, okay, well, the Lord's going to protect this work, so we're not going to do anything to protect it. Um, you know, uh, that's not the case. Uh, uh, and the reason why that, the reason the difference between now and Nehemiah versus like the Old Testament, why like God will destroy things, is because back then God said He will do that. Do that. Whereas in Nehemiah, He just trusted in God's character and He had to act on it. Um, uh, he there was some liberty in how He wanted to defend Himself, so He did it. Whereas before, in the, in the other parts in the Old Testament, God gave specific commandments of what they can and can't do, like. If you remember Jericho, the way that they had to fight was, you know, they circled the city multiple times. Um, that's how they were supposed to defend and attack. Same thing here. They, well, not the same thing. Uh, what's opposite here, different from here, is that there isn't that specific command how to defend themselves. So Nehemiah just got uh, told them to guard, uh, guard, uh, you know, get your gear and guard the wall. Verse 10, thus in Judah he, it was said the strength of the burden bearer is falling and yet is much rub rubbish. And we ourselves are unable to rebuild the wall. Artemis said they will not know or see until we come among them, kill them, and put a stop to the work. When the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times, they will come up against us from every place where you may turn. So what's happening here is that uh, there were these Jews from Judah um, that heard about what's going on. They were they, even the threat from the Samaritans, and they're trying to persuade the people to stop building. And in fact, they did it 10 times to try to tell them to stop building the walls. Verse 13, Then I stationed men in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, the exposed places, and I stationed the people and families with their swords, spears, and bows. When I saw their fear, I rose up and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. So they, these Jews were prepared for war. They, they saw that the, the Samaritans wanted to go against them because of what they're doing. They said, okay, you want to play that game? Arm yourself, be ready. And he motivates them again, uh, just like um, you know, a good leader is supposed to keep their people from, from being disheartened. That's what he's doing here. He's, he's trying to keep them from being discouraged. Verse, verse 15, when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plans, then all of us returned to the wall, each one to his work. From that day on, half of my servants carried the work, while half of them held the spears, the shields, and uh, the bows, and the breastplates, and captains were behind the whole house of Judah. Those who were rebuilding the wall, and those who carried burdens, took their load with one hand doing the work, and the other holding a weapon. As for the builders, each wore his sword girded at his side as he built, while the trumpeter stood near me. I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, The work is great and extensive, and we are separated on the wall from one another. At whatever place you hear the sound of the trumpet rally to us here, our God will fight for us. So this is their plan, that when, as they're building, they have, on one hand they have their, their I guess their pick, their axe, and the other hand they have their sword, or, or if one hand they have like the ways to kind of like, um, you know, their building equipment, and then the other hand they have their weapon of defense. Uh, and there's this strategy that if they hear this horn, everyone just run to this one spot. And the idea is that like you can't, 
if they're all separated and they get attacked, then it's like divide and conquer. But it's harder to fight when everyone is in one area. Um, so that's what he does. Uh, Nehemiah instructs them that if they hear this trumpet noise, run here and then and, and the rally to them, and they know that God will fight for them. Verse 20, so we carried on the work with half of them holding spears from down until the stars appeared. At that time, I also said to the people, let each man with his servants spend the night within Jerusalem so that they may be a guard for us by night and a laborer by day. So neither I, my brothers, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us removed our clothes. Each took his weapon even to the water. So this is, you know, this is their way of trying to defend uh, the, the, the work of the Lord, that they, they, they got the weapons prepared, knowing that if they have to fight, that the Lord will fight for them. So what is, how does this apply to us when ministry? Early on in the beginning, the, the beginning of this podcast, I said that ministry is hard. And um, I want to just kind of let us know throughout this week, uh, kind of like the application for us. Uh, and that is that if you understand how ministry is, um, you are going to be more prepared to have a long-lasting ministry. And maybe another way to put it, if you want a long-lasting ministry, here are three truths, realities of ministry that you need to know. Because if you know up front how hard things are going to be, then you will have the right expectation that will lead you to continue faithful ministry. And I'll, I'll give them up right now. So the first point you need to understand is that there's dangers from without. There's dangers from without the church, from beyond the walls of our church, from, from outsiders. And second, uh, there's also danger from within, people from, with, uh, from within the church that can cause problems that would make it difficult for you if you want to do ministry. And lastly, to persevere, um, the, to just continue the work. Because um, ministry is hard. It's a lifelong endeavor. It doesn't end until Christ's return. It's going to take up your whole life. So if you understand these three realities, that there's going to be enemies from outside, enemies from within, and that you need to keep working, um, if you understand these three truths, and I, I trust that the Lord will use you mightily in the time that you have here, whether that SFBC or any other church, um, that you have a long-lasting ministry if you continue to entrust yourself to the realities of ministry. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. Uh, I look forward to the study with you. Take care and have a good day.